Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another off-season edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe. Not going to waste any time. We'll get right into it. There's not a ton going on. Some issues we've got to get to. Attrition, which seems to be everybody's favorite off-season topic. We'll get to some of that. also want to get to something that Rod brought to my attention a couple years ago. And it's always an interesting way to break down Texas once a season is over. Uh, so we'll do that and uh, see what else we can get to in uh, runtime listeners. Thank you so much for your uh, support. Uh, and continued listenership of the Blitz. Those of you who are first-time listeners, let me bring in everybody else. Uh, he is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. No longer the man behind the glass, the man that sits right next to me, but nonetheless, he's the best in the business when it comes to the technical side of the podcast game, Matt True. Butler. Matt, how are you, sir? Uh, pretty well, but I also want to say that I bet some of these young kids are passing me up. I'd, I'd say five years ago I was one of those guys that was really savvy with the boards in the podcast game, but then nowadays there's... There's a lot of people catching up, but I appreciate the high accolades. I think you, uh, I think you're doing yourself a disservice, brother. I, I think you're I still would, one I of the best, no doubt. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I think just one of the best hosts in the business too. But Rod, you know yeah. you. Also, yeah. I'm biased. You and Craig Way, y'all do a pretty damn good job too. And uh, I will give credit to uh, one of the best damn minds, one of the best mouthpieces in the game mm-hmm. that uh, has gotten. Getting critical acclaim, Rod B. Everybody here in Austin, uh, the folks in Houston, uh, nationally, anybody that's had you on their shows uh, knows what it's all about. And we love him here on the Blitz because he's the third member of the team, our lockdown corner here on the show. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. We're coming up on a 15-year anniversary man, of this man. Long time ago. Drafted. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. That is the Johnny Manziel tie-in where you can separate. That's right, baby. Not, not many degrees now to separate. Time Tiger Cat. And Johnny Manziel. When he was done with football in Canada, got himself back to Austin, Texas, under 48 career. Earned his degree. If he had his T-ring, which he's not in possession of right now, he would wear it proudly. <laughs> Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, number 21 year program, number one in hearts. Mr. Rod Babers. And, Rod, let's go Thanks ahead and start intro, this brother. week talking about the attrition. Uh, we got yeah. it from a team source. There was another report out there that confirmed it's not official. The school's not going to comment on it until it's official. Uh, but everything we've heard is that Reggie Hemphill Maps is in the process of seeking a transfer from the 40 acres. Very interesting, man. Now, there's a couple Very ways you can look at this. You yeah. can look at this as, well, did Tom Herman really went over the locker room, blah, blah, blah. You can go down that road. Or you can go down the road that says – Reggie Hemphill Maps signed with Charlie Strong, came into play for a different group of coaches. Maybe he's just not vibing with this group of coaches. Maybe it's best just for everybody to go their separate ways. The normal kind of attrition that happens probably within the first year that you have a coaching change. Uh, You know what? And that was pretty much my take from it, too. 
because what is he a uh, redshirt sophomore? Freshman. Redshirt well, yeah, rising. He was uh, rising third year sophomore. Yeah. He would be yeah okay the, the next year of eligibility for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so to me it was one of those things where yeah I could go deep into the offensive identity crisis of Texas and uh, you know quarterback rotations and the the I would say the musical chairs that they played at wide receiver mm-hmm. uh, the personnel de- decisions which were mind boggling we can all agree there were times where there was no rhyme or reason to what they did in terms of the wide receiver rotations uh, Colin Johnson not being in during a red zone possession is number one you're six six wide receiver but I could go on but I won't Monty Foreman's an example of that we could go on but we won't uh, and some of that's competition some of that's culture whatever I'll just stick with the the simplest explanation is probably the most accurate for me in this situation, and I'll just say it's just attrition. And it seems like a lot of Charlie Strong guys, they just they're not saying that they dislike the regime, and I don't necessarily think there's something where they, um, you know, ha- maybe they did because Reggie Hempel Maps was suspended for a half, I believe. Yeah, you got that one half suspension yep. for right. the uh, San Jose right. State game. Yeah. So maybe there ha- maybe there was a a point that they reached or the coaching staff reached where they realized, oh, this is not going to work Cu- culturally. This guy doesn't fit mm-hmm. with what we want to do. And yeah, maybe that's why you're seeing a, an unprecedented amount of guys leave early for going their senior year as juniors deciding, I'm gone. <laughs> you're a punter, I'm gone. All right, <laughs> you're only you're not going first round or second round or third round. I'm gone. Chris, Chris Ward, why the hell are you? Man, I'm gone. I'm just gone. I'm done with it. You know what I mean? Maybe that's why you got some graduate transfers who are deciding, hey, man, you can compete for the, uh, you know, a position or the starting rotation of the offensive line. They're deciding, nope, I want out. I'm yeah. gone. So I'm not getting deep into like, oh, man, Tom Herman's doing it wrong. No, when you bring in a new regime, new culture, Texas needed that. We all agreed. It needed a new culture. It needed a change. And not everybody was going to survive that change. Yeah. Not everybody was going to transition into it well. That's the whole point of change. So I'm just siding with that, yeah, man, that he felt like he wasn't a good fit. Doesn't mean he's not going to go somewhere and succeed. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean those guys who left early to go to the NFL aren't going to go somewhere and succeed in football or graduate transfer and succeed in football somewhere. But the point is, they d- it is an issue of culture. But I think it's not as much angst in it as some people are proclaiming that, man, Tom Herman really pissing a lot of people off. No, I just think Tom Herman is coming in and he's changing things that need to be changed. And not everybody agrees with everything and they're deciding, you know what, I have another option to get the hell out of Texas and I'm going to take that option. I think Tom Herman's saying, cool, yeah, go do what you got to do, brother. And Because whenever he had the choice, like you said, as a recruit, he committed to play for one coach and then all that go. changes on him. And he was, he a, was a Mac guy. Brown fan way yeah. back in the day. No, exactly. Recruiter Reggie. You know what I mean? time, yeah. yep. And then went through a lot of iterations. I remember when we yeah. talked about also during the season that, you know, the way that the maybe with him, he's like, you see his production per snap production is about as good as anybody on the field he was about as good as yeah. a punt returner as anybody and then if say this isn't your coach and maybe the human element isn't working and then on the field maybe you think you can do more or fit different or it's a different thing that you wanted to play in and then add on that I remember at the time his family dealing with all the flooding and his grandpa and stuff like there's a lot of chaos going on when all that's unfolding within a month yeah. right whenever the beginning of August happened and now he has a choice and if it thinks it's going to work for him 
him, it can be good. And just like what you said, the culture. You just look overall and just see that sometimes if just look at numbers, 85 people, new person, not all going to fit. It's a bummer sometimes. Sometimes they will make it work. But if you have power the way Hemphill Maps does because he's a guy that actually is like, no, I was good. I can go somewhere and do it. Like he has the power in that situation. Be like, no, well, then I'll transfer and I'll go somewhere else. Don't not be surprised. Ever, some kids may sit yeah. around and be like, this is my opportunity. I get to go and prove myself to this coach, but maybe it's looked different. So just see that human element. And then I still got to go fully back to it on the introduction because the way you said Tiger Cat made me think of it being just like literally a retired NFL player instead of a cougar going up to Canada. But you're just the reti- <laughs> uh, you, you two Tiger Cats up here in Hamilton. That was pretty good. Um, Man, just looking but at he, summer- don't be surprised if he goes to U of H, too. By yeah, that's oh, what the rumor is. I mean, right that now, just yeah. makes perfect sense. From what I've heard, don't be surprised if you go straight the, to your That's age. what the hot rumor is right yeah. now. Matt, just looking at some of the advanced statistics from Reggie Hemphill, and mm-hmm. I'm using Football Study Hall, their uh, advanced statistical profile, which Bill Connolly and those guys do an outstanding job breaking the stuff down. Um, looking at yards per catch, that's a, a standard metric you can use. He's at 10.9. Yards per target, he's at 7.7. Tied with Colin Johnson for the team lead among the regulars. LJ Humphrey was at 7. Uh, you know, that's I mean, Lorenzo Joe is at seven. Everybody else is in like the six five, mm. going down in the fours. Mm-hmm. Um, remember yeah. correctly, his catch rate. Uh, let's see, catch rate 71.2 yeah, percent, which was way better. That's even better. Colin, Colin Johnson was only 54, wow. 54.5, LJ Humphrey 59.4. Remember, it was standing out since week one, it was consistently he was head and shoulders. Above I mean, really, everybody. among the among the regulars that had like uh, a large number Maybe of he's catches. A blue shell guy. Among the regulars that had a large number of catches, really, I mean, it's Reggie Hempel and Amani Foreman. Amani Foreman's catch rate was 72.1%. Wow. So, so you're talking about the two guys with the best catch don't. rate who had to deal with. No, well, if you think about it, like, okay, what's the best game for Reggie Hempel maps? The K State game, right? Yeah. You have like 120 some yards receiving. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like 11 receptions. I'm not sure. I got to go back and check. But it was his best game. So I want to say after that game, um, and I think I got the staff from you guys at 247 that he had basically like 14 receptions the rest of the season. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it, so it, was, it got to a point where I'm sure we were perplexed and stupefied by the rotation of wide receivers and what's going on. It's like, just play the best guys. Like, there are some guys that are obviously producing. Play those guys. Play them more. They'll produce more. He's he's one of the guys that I think bears out the at least the notion that hey he's productive in the time in the little small sample size we have of him statistically in the mm-hmm. advanced metrics. Give him more playing time. It would stand to you know you, help it. It, 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 he would actually increase his production. So. I don't really understand it. I'm sure that that's part of the frustration on on those guys' part too. Remember, there's a, there's a report that Lil Jordan Humphrey was thinking about transferring too. I'm sure he's not going to do it now. He's not, yeah. but yeah, there was but he, some. But, yeah. but, but it, it, it all stems from man, what the hell's going on with the wide receiver? Like I'm balling. Like why can't right. I play? Like that's how it's supposed to be. But and Armonte Foreman, I'm sure, dealt with that frustration as well. Colin Johnson, because it, for Tom Herman, it wasn't just all about your production on the field when you played even though most fans believe it should be yeah. about that. I'll say this too, Rod, and, and talking about just the general attrition that occurs with the coaching change. I mean, everybody remembers, is going to remember Charlie Strong as a player's coach and the players loved him. Think back to some of those guys he inherited from Mac Brown. Some of those guys, not all of them have great glowing opinions of Charlie Strong. And I'm not talking about the guys that did things that got themselves kicked out of the program, the, the Joe yeah. Bergerons and the guys like Shavosky Collins and Jamie yeah. Overstreet and guys like that. I mean – 
Adrian Colbert's a guy that was buried on the depth chart. He goes to Miami as a graduate transfer, is an NFL draft pick. Now he's a starter in the NFL That's right. as a safety. Yeah. Um, one of those offensive linemen, I remember talking to a parent when they transferred, Talented. and their quote to me was, my son came here to play for Mac Brown and Stacey Searles. He didn't come here to play for whatever you want to call this. Yeah. Yeah. So and even though like maybe Hempel or Hempel was an old head on the team, you know, and those all those guys that are leaving early, he already was a different coach guy. He was like one of the last of those guys. I mean, like you said, he was a sophomore when he committed to Mac Brown. Like mm-hmm. that's how old Texas is, and then this strong thing tied him in. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and you know, there were I know of one guy in particular on that defense, that t- 2014 defense, that wasn't exactly thrilled with yeah. that staff and the way they handled things. So. Yeah. I mean, you're never, Rod, it just speaks to, I, I always love the attrition talk, you're never going to get, and you could speak to this having been in the locker room, you're never going to get a consensus of 85 scholarship no, guys no. that love all the coaches, love the head coach, and love the direction of where the program's going. Yeah, and that's why I, right now I, I could totally understand why a lot of guys, they were just Charlie guys. They were Charlie guys, let's be honest. They were yeah. Charlie guys, and this is why the NCAA, and this originated in the Big 12, uh, there are now proposals to the NCAA to change the transfer rules. Uh, we were talking about this on the show yesterday where if your coach resigns or leaves, all right, fired, or or fired for whatever, you know, that position, mm-hmm. the coach that recruited you, you'll be able to transfer without penalty. Uh, within like some parameters, of course, I'm sure there's going to be a GPA requirement and right. you know things of that nature, and it should be by the way because you're still a student athlete. Are you on track? Are you yes, in, uh, in on, compliance with APR? All that kind all of, that and um, you can't follow that coach. I believe, like right. if you're whatever that coach that just left, he goes to another job. You can't follow him. That's right. off limits. So the coach can't just go back and recruit his school that he's leaving. But I mean, that's why they're they're thinking about that because it just makes common sense. It seems fair now because we're talking about attrition. Hell, Texas has been through you know you know our third. We're on our third head coach now um, in the last seven years. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's been a lot of attrition, and it's been really unfair to a lot of players. You came in here for a different fit for a certain system that you may have been a perfect fit for, and that coach just loved you. And sometimes it just takes a coach to fall in love with you. Like you, you know what I mean? Like you may not be a great player by everybody's estimation, but that coach really, really likes you. Puna Ford. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Puna Ford's a prime example of that. Right. Charlie just loved him some Puna Ford. Loved him some Puna. There are other programs like, yeah, we like him, but uh, man, I don't know if I, I want a 5'11 right. D tackle. I don't know if I'm into that. And Charlie Jones, man, I like Puna. But he liked Puna. Right. Like he just liked him. Um, you know what I mean? And system changing. I think Puna just ended up fitting into obviously Tarlando's system very well but my point is like not everybody's a right fit for that system and that culture and that change is over and those guys should be allowed recourse and you, I think that's what they're thinking you about. use the story all the time that you you have and I don't want to you know put words in your mouth or talk about this guy when he's not here to speak for himself Ahmad Brooks you use the example of Brooks all the time oh yeah no doubt Brooks and Everett Withers weren't always on the same page not at all Brooks, Dwayne Aquina comes in, loves him. and Brooks loves is one of his guys still to this day. Still to this day, loves him. Ends up starting him at safety. Over to Carr Pearson was a freshman All-American. Yep, but, and it ended up being the right decision, which yeah. was a bold move. But And you're right, and, and, and Brooks started for Coach Withers at one point, but he ended up being benched by Coach Withers, and then they ended up getting it, getting it odds to the point where they switched, wide, they switched him to wide receiver. Wow. <laughs> right, the spring. Like those personalities. Yeah, but I think the spring before Akina came in, uh, at least that offseason before Akina comes in, and then Akina says, no, nah, man, you got a clean slate here. And no, Rod, well, how, what did Dwayne Akina say to Ahmad Brooks? <sighs> yeah, man, you got a clean slate with me, brother. That's life, man. That's life. 
You know what I mean? You gotta work out with one guy. It'll work with somebody else. You gotta give me all. You gotta give me your balls, brother. I want to tell this story because you know signing day is coming up. This guy's already signed. He's a twenty four seven sports five star prospect, Jalen Green from Houston. I was at Houston. Well, it was they hadn't changed the name. It was Raking still at that point? But a, I was is a, he a DB. I, yeah, I was at Houston yeah. Heights. I was at Houston Heights uh, a couple springs ago watching Jalen Green work out with Dwayne Aquino. Dwayne Aquino was there scouting him, nice. and Coach Aquino and I were talking, and I'm just like, I just want to pick his brain. I'm like, what does this guy look for when he's scouting DBs? Yeah, and we're talking, and workouts are done, and. You know, we're just kind of shooting the breeze, and he asked me how you're doing, Rod, and he he says, you know, I'm not sure even to this day if I had one guy in a man-to-man situation, I'm not sure I wouldn't take Rod Babers over. Hey, man, I'm sure he's pumping it up, too. Trust me, he has a lot of great DBs, but I I appreciate that. But what I think he that's a compliment because – I was a technician. I was not a great football player, trust me. But I was a I was a technician about man to man. I studied he it. Knew you would do I knew what how to coach. play it. Like and I how just, you probably they said one guy in a man to man situation. Yeah, like I knew how to play man to man. Like I knew the the, the the technique of it. Uh how if I messed up with, you know, I punched with the wrong hand, how to recover. When to use, when to flip your hips, when to just turn your hips. You like look a, like Miyagi right now. Yeah. Like, did you ever do oh, karate? No, but no, I, I realized how important it was to use your hands. You can see like me that, kind of mimicking like it right just, now. I mean, it was all defense. All it's defense all, it, it was all kind of, yeah, and I should have actually studied more like <laughs> hand, hand combat because I'm sure that Wax would help on, you. I mean, because there is like a, there's a half doing. a second where you and the wide receiver are basically playing hand, hand combat. And if you can get one good punch and get through. Like Mayweather, Next. pow! You can like you can you can stun him. You know what I mean? And then that's all you really need to get to catch up. I I love that. To me, that was my favorite thing to do. And I got in the right system, right? Carl Boris played man to man ninety percent of the time. So it's like you know what? Just go play man to man. You out there on an island. It was a perfect right. fit for me. You know what I mean? Nathan Vasher was that was that in the NFL. Nathan Vasher got to the NFL was an All Pro with the Bears. After that, out of that system, nope. So Rod, we, we fit, man. when yeah. we talk about. Uh, when we talk about you know fits and things like that and, and attrition and you look at what Tom Herman and the staff are doing on the recruiting trail, they got the number three recruiting class in the country That's right. that they're going to add to before signing day next week. It's crazy. And you know you talk, you hear the young guys in this program talk. Some guys to either Tom Herman's recruited or guys that they've gotten to. They're kind of their guys now. And I do think the majority of the guys in this program are on board with kind of the direction that this staff is going. Agreed. Especially the guys on that defensive side of the ball. I mean, we even heard going back to last spring that, you know, even the Malik Jeffersons and the Deshaun Elliott's of the world, that they were bought into Todd Orlando and Craig Niver, Jason Washington, the position coaches. And, and and I think that showed on the field. And and I think to your point, and when we talk about the offensive identity crisis, I think that's why you hear more attrition. Where's the attrition being talked about? It's being talked about on offense. offense yeah. And I think that's not necessarily a knock on the staff per se. I think a lot of that's just uncertainty about where are we going? What are we doing? Yeah. And they've got the same question about the offense we have. No, and you, Where are you going? And, what are and, you doing? And and I think it's unfair to always just say, oh, man, they just haven't had the talent. That's not true, man. I'm sorry. Right. Like, there are guys playing in the NFL right now who are undrafted. All right, on that from that Texas offensive identity crisis we've been talking about for the last seven years, Marcus Johnson is one of them playing for the mm-hmm. Eagles. Right? You know what I mean? Because they didn't get enough showcase here at, at Texas because Texas couldn't utilize them. They Texas had too many other issues. Uh, you know, you can talk about Malcolm Brown, the running back. I mean, it, Fozzie Whitaker. It goes on and on. You're like, damn, those guys are NFL caliber players. Yeah, Texas, they had ah, they were all right. They were sad, so-so careers. You know what I mean? And so. 
It's, and it, I, you'll say the same thing about some of these wide receivers from this group. I'm sure it'll be like yeah. two of these guys gonna end up in the league who are gonna go undrafted. It'll be like, damn, that guy went to Texas. Like, yeah, Texas. He was he was just an inconsistent wide receiver, but in the league, he's one. You know, he's he's kind of a up and comer. Like, and it's frustrating. It really is frustrating. I think to watch it all go down because don't say there's not talent there. There's talent on the offensive side of the ball for Texas. That right. wide receiver rotation has talent. Yes. Right. A ton of Tom Herman even said so before the start of the year. A ton of talent known at wide receiver. Even with Reggie and Phil Maps leaving. Right. There's still a ton of it there. Yeah. Now, you may lose some more of those guys, but you're bringing in other prospects too. Texas has to get an identity on offense. That way they know who they are, and then that way they know how to maximize the talent within yeah. the scheme and within the identity. And then stability, just stability on the offensive line, just average play and average quarterback play. If you can get that with the skill position guys, then you should be able to build something from there. But if Texas is not able to get the offensive line play that they need and it's not going to allow the offense the time to turn into an offense, then you're going to be stuck in a bad cycle Herb Hand, man. That's why they brought him in. So there they made go. an adjustment right. there. They made an improvement there on the off with the offensive line just in hiring Herb Hand. Mm-hmm. And and you talk about just we spent you know a whole podcast a couple weeks ago talking about just reviving the run game. Rod, I was looking at the numbers. Do you realize Sam Ellinger is the team leader in rushing at 385 mm-hmm. yards? That's the lowest total for a Texas leading rusher since 1958. Oh, it sounds like it. That is a hell of a stat. Oh, that's a great stat. Yeah, I gotta. That's how gotta bad. Burn that stat that's how burn. bad the running game was. Ooh. In 2017, that, that hurts. That stat was so good, it like I my heart dropped. I can't believe in 1958 they had somebody wow. that didn't run for 358 yards. It's like what, else, what the passing? hell is going what on? What are y'all doing? How bad was that? Just guy? horrible football to watch for a season. <laughs> you know, you're not passing. You're forward pass. Hell, and that was, was like still brand new back then. That was the third year. <laughs> That's what caused the wishbone to be thought what? of because Royal at that point obviously had to rethink his offense three years in. The forward pass back then was like the. <laughs> RPO today. He was like cutting edge. I mean, think about that. By 63, they're winning championships with Royal. Royal was hired, what, in 56 or something? So, like, Royal's third year, did we almost fire the dude? In today's culture, would he have even got an opportunity? Probably not. No, probably not. Fired. Three years in. Look at this offense. 385. That is hilarious. Let's see. Texas in 58. They're Royal's second year. Actually, they were 7-3. and Man, yeah, uh, that just go. shows football is disgusting. Right, it's Derek A. Royal, so. Um, so I want to get into this, and some of this might carry over to next week, but I want to look, Rod, you, you brought this to my attention, and I, I just thought it was a brilliant way to look at really painting the picture of how good were you in a particular season. And one of your mentors in the radio business, John Madani, a guy that I still confide in to this day, John Madani gave me the best quote ever about stats. Oh, I love he this said, quote. Stats man. are like a bikini. They don't show you everything, but they show you a lot. They show you enough, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to look at where Texas was elite. And Rob, we figured, you know, there were a hundred, there were a hundred, I think, hundred twenty-eight teams in the FBS that the NCAA ranked statistically. Yeah. So I said, basically, if you were in the top, you know, probably the top 16, 15, 16 teams I in the country in a statistical category, yeah. you were elite. I think that puts you in the top what top? That puts you in top fifteen percent, top, 15%, yeah, top, 12, top 12, twelve, to fifteen percent, something like, something that, like yeah. that. I agree with that. So look at where Texas was elite. There were one, two, three, four, five categories where Texas was elite. And you tell me if this paints a picture of where Texas oh, was really I, good. I can guess. Can I guess? Can I try to guess one or two? Go ahead. And uh, I'll tell you if you're right. Are they all defense? Two defense, one special teams. 
Hmm. Or, I'm sorry, four defense, one special teams. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. oh, okay. That's easy. Michael Dixon. Uh, yes. <laughs> net <laughs> net punting average, number one in the country, 44.19. And I got to tell myself, I never backed down from him leaving early. I knew that guy was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we all did. At hey, y'all yeah. argued hey, me. You know y'all brought the quote saying, y'all all backed down during the season that he was not leaving. Yeah, I, I put my heels in the sand true. and said that he's leaving. I started thinking it later on after I did more research, but you're right. You were the first to, to say he's gone. I was the only one to not back down. Um, okay, uh, rush defense. I think we did. We finish top. Yes, run defense. Yeah, eighth yeah, in the country. One hundred six point eight yards per game allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's two, two down, three to go, Rod. Okay. Uh, oh, third down defense. Mm-hmm. Third down defense. Yeah. Third in the country. Twenty seven point one percent. Texas was also number. I don't really count this because. <clears throat> the numbers are kind of skewed. Seventh in the country on, on and fourth down defense. Well, yeah, I do count that because think about it. Let's turn over on downs. If people don't count on turnovers, right? Dude, we get the ball back. Right. They're actually and more important so, than third downs. Yeah. But and if you look at the de- uh, deep stats, Texas number one in the nation on third down. When you consider, like, I guess in the that Big that, Twelve, yeah. a lot of teams that'll roll the dice and go for. Oh, I guess that depends. Well, I guess that depends on how you look at it at the end. Of, but okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I, something. I'm gonna contradict myself. I'm a defensive guy, so. Yes, some of you figure fourth down defense. Some of those might be late in the game when you're you're ahead and teams are just kind of throwing it, and you've got fourth and longs. Right. But Texas was but, in a lot of close games. Exactly. Well, and that's also but Texas, why they really count. Good point. You're right. It's all, it's all about what circumstance. I yeah. agree with that. And yes. that's why it's a good place to follow football outsiders or college football study hall that always throws out all garbage stats. Right. Yeah. So Texas cleaning, yeah. cleaning the glass does the same thing so, for NBA if you need one. So really, we'll say there's six categories where Texas was least. So yes, Rod, seventh in the country and fourth down. All right. All right so now you've got three more left. Um, hang it. One offensive. Ooh, what? What the? Or I'm heck? sorry. No, you've got no, you two, left. The special team two left. Two left. Oh defensive. no, no offensive. Sorry, no offensive. Two uh, defensive categories. Two left. defensive categories left. Okay. Um, let's go with. Ooh man, let's go with. Uh, is it no one red zone? Be, red zone defense? No, one should be pretty obvious. Damn, one should be pretty obvious. Did I miss it? Man, all right, go. You go because I'm missing it. Defensive touchdowns. Oh, damn it. No, yeah, you're right. Defensive Seven touchdowns. defensive touchdowns, number yeah. one in the country. Yeah, you're right. And then the last one at the back end of our uh, of our parameters here, total takeaways, 16th in the country with 26 takeaways. Yeah. So, <clears throat> for Texas, you were good. You were among the best in the country on third and fourth down defense, defensive touchdowns, net punting, rushing defense, and takeaways. Yeah, yeah. You which is barely basically... 500, so it shows your offense was very deficient. And we'll get to yeah. that because would you like to know where Texas <laughs> was not elite? Now, Rod, I use different criteria. You're Basically, the I said battle, you're getting defensive scores. You're stopping them on third down. They can't run the ball. It's like the I looked. Of I looked coach. at it like this: if you were not elite, basically, if you were a hundredth or worse in a category, yeah. If you were triple digits, you're bad. Yeah. You're bad at that. It's the drizzling you-know-what. You're bad at that. Yeah. All right. 20%. Yes. So, Texas, uh, where Texas was not elite. Fewest penalty yards. Texas, 114th in the country in penalty yards. Wow. 106th in the country in penalties per game. 111th in the country in penalty yards per game. Wow. Ooh, yes. You're just killing yourself. And you think, yeah, you think about how many drives this year, especially on offense, Man. did we see they would be like in a second and four, and then boom, you get a false start. Oh, or you get a hold. Or you get something, and then yeah. now you're behind the sticks again. Yep. And for a team that wins with what we just obviously looked at, the elite uh, categories for Texas, special teams and defense, that's mm-hmm. the worst part. You know what I mean? Like, right. That's why K-State wins with special teams and defense, but they, they, don't kill, they don't beat themselves in penalties. Right. That's how K-State wins. You're the opposite. Yeah. 
Now, one of these is kind of, eh, you could take it for what it's worth because Texas was so good in the field position game. Kick return defense. Texas is oh, 120th yeah. in the country in kick return defense. Bad, but, Matt, you know how oh, sp- that's only bought, baked into yeah. the – if you punt the ball 70 yards, he's going to run it 20 until you get to the 50-yard mark where yeah. the guys – He's out kicking his coverage a lot of times. So that's no, just this is kick re- This is kick baller. return. This doesn't have nothing to do with punts. This is a kickoff return. Oh, kick off. Kickoff okay. return defense. Right. Okay. Still. Okay. But, I mean, it's one of those deals that's like – you, you know, yeah. But you guys know how the how the, some of the return game stats work. If you give up one decent return – that could skew your numbers for the whole our, year. But our, yeah. our, I think uh, every Longhorn fan who's watched Longhorn mm-hmm. football knows our kickoff coverage has been not great. Not the last uh, few years. for the last few years. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it was much better when Rowland started kicking the ball out of the back of the end zone. Exactly. <laughs> it was the opposite yeah. of like a decade yeah. ago when you were loved kick return defense and it was like somebody's going to go make a play and stop yeah. them in the It was 20s. like the 100 meters at the Olympics. And right, yeah, mm-hmm. I think some of, that, some of that could be a strategic error because I think early in the season it seemed like they were trying to do more kind of kind of pop-up kicks or, you know, let's try to pin them back deep and run down there. All the speed that Texas has... Dude, yeah. make it a track meet and put speed on the kickoff and just let guys race down there and go wreak yeah. havoc. That's why I've, I've never I, understood I still, that. I don't understand how Texas can be year after year be so awful returning kicks. I know. Yeah, it's true, too. You have so much speed on your team. Right. I don't get now, it now, they were better, they were better this year DJ Monroe kids. and Goodwin, like what, the Aggie game with Comacoisa last time I remember one being yeah. brought back. And that's elite speed. That's not even just speed. Right. Mm-hmm. Fozzie. Fozzie had two. Fozzie was great. He had two in a game. Yeah. I'm trying. Hold on. Let me look at kickoff. No offense kick off returns for this team, real quick. <laughs> and we literally had no offense then. I remember it was like special yeah. teams. It was like, oh, Fozzie's getting return kicks. Oh, Fozzie's I mean, you there. actually had multiple guys pop off a return of thirty plus yards this year on kickoff returns. Yeah, Chris Boyd's longest was thirty eight. Kyle Porter's was forty one. Devin Duvernay thirty four. Amani Foreman's thirty six. At least L- they're trying stuff. L.J. Humphreys thirty seven. So yeah, those guys. I mean. I know. Which is also part of the problem. It's like, all right, I know you got a lot of. We all know you got athletes. Yeah, how many wide receivers? Why you can't find right one of those guys to focus on to be the premier guy so that he can cultivate his craft? It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. All right, here's one, Rod, and this goes to just kind of life in the Big Twelve. Passing yards allowed. Texas yeah. 108th in the country. Yeah. Uh, 105th in the country in yards per completion. I wonder what we were in the conference. So that'd be amazing if we we're 108th, but like first <laughs> like, in the conference, like third in the conference. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we might have been. But yeah. here's what's interesting about that, though. When you look at the plays this defense gave up this year, Rod, they were mostly chunk yardage passing plays. Oklahoma, the chunk yardage plays. Yeah, you're right. One the one the one play Missouri had in the bowl game that really got them USC was the chunk yardage pass play. Chunk SC at the plays. end of the game and, and at the end of the first half yeah. on that on no, that it, uh, Hail Mary. Maryland started off with That's some what we, yeah. Texas, that was plays. the one good thing about it. Like I remember yeah. us coming in and talking about games and being like, man, Texas won 80% of those plays, but, man, those 20 that they screwed up on, they were all touchdowns. USC and, then, the and, 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 and that's yeah. all the game. There were yeah. so many games. Oklahoma, like that too. Oklahoma like that. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's where we get to some of the bad stuff. Red zone. This <laughs> <laughs> other stuff wasn't bad. Well, was the, the, this bad other stuff. stuff really paints the picture. This is the putrid. <laughs> red zone. Red zone offense. 100th in the country. 78.7 percent success rate. And I think you were about 40-something percent touchdowns in the red zone on your trips. Rod, you can point to two games in particular that stand out. Well, actually three. Or Really? Oh, okay, let's go four. Maryland, USC, USC. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State, Texas Tech. Yeah. If you're just better in the red zone in those games, you win those you win games. games. Or at least win half of them. Yeah. Yeah. And where does that put you? Yeah, I'm with you on that. The red zone. Trust me, we just talked about Colin Johnson not being in the game during red zone possessions. And we're like, 
He's six six. Yeah. Like just as a distraction, throw him <laughs> out there, and the team will go. Holy sh! He's six six. We should. I'm fading that way, dude. I'm. You know the corners gonna. Free, everybody's gonna freak out over a six six guy in the red zone, and you would have him off the field at times. Sometimes you would go empty. Yeah. Like on the goal line. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're going empty. Whoa, whoa! You know you gonna give the illusion that you may run the ball. Was it the Maryland and game? No, and it contradicts the numbers game. That if they're playing the numbers game, we'll go and try to skew yeah. those and separate them. Yeah. out. Yeah. You got it? Sam Maligan who can run it. So now have two options in the backfield that can run it. Not yeah. just one. That was going to be one of my points, which oh, is at, there were times this year where their red zone play calling was really good. I think K-State, West Virginia, and it was Ellinger at quarterback, and you're running some kind of hard. I like that USC throwback play. Yeah, you're running some kind of hard to, play action yeah. or some kind of misdirection. Like yeah. yeah, And that goes back to you know the USC game that passed the Cade Brewer. That's why yeah. they didn't go for two because that was like the two-point play that they burned and like, we hey, did a whole show. I'm going to need you to have more than one two-point right, play. Right, we're going to need you to get a couple get more. Get like three or four, yeah. you know what I mean? Green notebook, put them in the back. Yeah. <laughs> and have them ready to go. But then, but then there were games like you know the Maryland game. Right, and somebody out there, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, and I'll go back and look at my notes. I don't have them in front of me right now. I want to say that was one where they were either a one back set or an empty set, and they ran like some kind of like tight end screen to Garrett Gray yeah, on like a I third and that. goal. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah, you're right. I remember this. And then there was like against Texas Tech, there was like the wide receiver reverse pass. Oh, the reverse wide receiver. Yeah, oh, I remember that too. Yes. Oh, and it was, wasn't even like the guy that was a quarterback oh, in high school, I believe, throwing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You're two of those guys. Lorenzo, Joe, Edge. That's what my big complaint was. My big complaint was not the play call. It was the personnel you had running the play. On uh, top and, of it. Instead of the quarterbacks who used to – the wide receivers uh, who used to play quarterback. And then uh, the last two categories where Texas was not elite, wow. and this goes back to the offensive line issue. Sacks allowed, 103rd in the country, 2.62 sacks allowed per game. And tackles for loss allowed, 110th in the country, 6.92 tackles for loss allowed per game. Basically, Rod, your offensive line's giving up if you round up three sacks and seven tackles for loss a game. Yeah. How many of those are just killing drives? You know what I mean? Just killing. Uh, yeah, just, I would imagine most yeah, of them do. Yeah, I mean, like, not, and not only killing drives, but they put you behind the chains and you already can't – you're one-dimensional and you got a freshman quarterback most of the time. And The one that sticks yeah. out to me, though, is the one that was the drive in the in – the, the Sam, the Sam Ellinger drive where you know he allegedly was concussed late in the Oklahoma game yeah. where Shane Bouchelle comes in, and they're actually moving the ball, but then he gets blindsided and nearly lost the ball, but that put them behind the chains and they never recovered. That, yep. was, a, that was a game where they were driving to go to try to win the game. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they're – And they were in Oklahoma territory. Yeah. I know. I, I'm with you. And that, but that goes back, you said, to the offensive line issues, which Tom Herman has – Try to address his offseason. They're still trying to address because they're still trying to get Calvin Anderson from, from Rice, the grad yeah. transfer. Uh, it's really going to come down to Texas and Michigan, it sounds like. Casey Tucker, the Stanford transfer, has already said he's going to Arizona State, so Texas is really kind of all in on Calvin Anderson right now. Yeah. I think they've got a couple of the lines out there. Uh, there's a kid, uh, Kevin Fedor from Ohio State, who was kind of a backup guy for Ohio State. Uh, could come in and be, and be a depth guy for Texas. Uh, and then there's a Rutgers grad transfer who Texas could also potentially get him, who's more of an interior guy. Go but, get them all. But, yeah, I mean. Go get them all. <laughs> Cal, Calvin Anderson. Calvin Anderson's a guy that's going to come in and, and be a walk-in starter at left tackle. Okay. No question. No question, right? No question. Okay. Yeah. Then and, I don't see how that's not a good – but I don't know what the depth issue is at Michigan, so – I don't know, but he, isn't he from Texas? He's from yeah, he's from Westlake. Yeah, played a senior at Westlake yeah. and Georgetown he, why before would he that. Why would you go to Michigan then? No, 
I mean, I, I think I think Jim well, Harb Jim Harbaugh selling the, the well, Jim their lineage yeah. of offensive line that he had it going back to Stanford that they true. put in the NFL. Damn you, Harbaugh! Basically, Damn you! we're getting a shot only because we're his hometown team. Damn you, Harbaugh! Well, that's why he should come. I mean, there you go. He can that's why it. he's maybe coming show, too. Connell, you can showcase his talent here, and you got a new offensive line coach, so I think he'll end up coming to Texas just because, you, like you said, walk in started, dude. Right. No question. Hometown, no yeah, it makes so makes so too Rod, much sense. When you look at the statistical profile, mm. Texas was elite among the best in the country in third down defense, fourth down defense, defensive touchdowns, getting non off, getting unconventional scores, scoring for you, putting N- points on the board, net punting. You're winning the field position game, run defense. You're wow. putting the opposing offense behind the chains, taking the ball away, getting the ball back for your offense. Crazy, but you man. were really bad in shooting yourself in the foot with penalties, uh, kickoff return defense, which eh, we'll take that for whatever it is. Anyway, yeah. Passing yards allowed. You know, it's hard to fault the defense with everything they're doing right for the one thing they did wrong. But then you were awful in the red zone offensively, and you're getting your quarterback killed, and you're giving up big plays behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. That kind of, in a nutshell, really tells you the tale of Texas. Yeah. I mean, you're really good at stopping the run and really good on defense overall, um, and you were horrible scoring on offense, taking advantage of opportunities, and your offensive line was garbage. I'm going to say they're outstanding on defense because we know the culture of the Big 12, man. You're going to give up passing yards. Right. Yeah. Kind of I just looked it up, and Texas was barely behind Oklahoma and Iowa yeah. State. Right it's, there with West Virginia. But it's kind of one of those we're things We're one of the best in the conference. So you were top realize, half of the conference, bottom yes. quarter in the country. Yeah, you got to realize we're going <laughs> to give up certain things. But he's, uh, Todd Orlando realized, like, you know what, okay, we'll give up passing yards. But the price you're going to pay is we're going to take the ball away from you. The chances of you making a mistake are going to rise exponentially when mm-hmm. you throw the ball against us because we're going to make sure it's third and long because you're not going to be able to run the ball. To that point, to that point, Rod, you know there, I mean? there was, which is why third down yeah, is really good. Too. There were games where Tom Herman said their goal was like, – in Missouri he said this, Oklahoma State he said this. Their goal was to defend the pass first and foremost because one thing that we talked about, especially after that Maryland game – this was a really good tackling. This is one of the best tackling Texas defenses I've seen in a very long time. Really yeah. I mean, you got to go back to a, a Will Muschamp defense, yeah. I think, to find the last time you saw a Texas defense that was this good at, at just stopping the ball, limiting plays, stopping them for what they were supposed to gain, and, and living to fight another day. A lot of good ones in the secondary, too. Yes. I mean, at the kind of the last line of defense. Holton Hill, Deshaun Elliott might have been your best, too. And Holton I mean, Hill was really good, man, at tackling. Remember his Holton Hill in yeah. open field tackles? I mean, he was fantastic. So, no, I agree with you. I think – yeah, Texas offense not only hurt them with the penalties, you just pointed that out, but also when you did have a chance to cash in in the red zone, you didn't. No. You, heard, you know what I mean? So, yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense to me the way the season ended up. And think about the mentality. I mean, it only makes sense, and Orlando did a great job of it last year, but in this conference, even more so double down on stopping the pass because sometimes – the opposing team, even if you're giving them the run, they aren't going to take it. Exactly. Like, you know, like yeah. sometimes it might not even hurt you. That's they might Mike not Leach. even know. They may just yeah. fall into throwing the ball 60 times to That's try to come back. Thing, yeah. If you get the lead and do it. Now, there are the yeah. teams that have evolved with it, like watching West Virginia, watching even Baylor at the Baylor. end of the Briars. They, But mm-hmm. those are the coaches that are then running because – the numbers and everything tell them because you're allowing them to. They're going to take that if you're giving it to them, but that's why the scheme of Orlando and having the ability to bring pressure from not exactly where you know, mm-hmm. it's just enough of that confusion that if you are stable enough to be in enough position in a decent enough tackle or you can survive, just don't give up that huge play. Agreed. Yep. Rod, um, just go, you talk, we talked about the run game and the issues with the offensive line. Um, going into the Missouri game, and I'm looking at the data from Pro Football Focus, which I've got the matchup overview heading into the bowl game. 
Pro Football Focus had Texas as a pass-blocking offense, ranked 88th in the country, and as a run-blocking offense, how about 128 out of 130 in the FBS? Exactly. That's why we ran the quarterback the second Connor Williams went out, and we did nothing but do that because we weren't (laughs) blocking anybody. I mean, it was that's just uh, our entire identity changed. Well, but that's what we talked about after mm-hmm. that game. I mean, we were searching for the offensive identity, and Rod came in and said it after the K State game. Your I- offensive identity is Sam Ellinger. Yeah. Unfortunately, and that not and that's not an insult. To it say. was right. the smartest just, thing to do. It shouldn't be that. <laughs> it wasn't a, a plan that was built to last. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, and it was, but it also was the best of the bad ideas. It was that Argo yeah. Prince. I mean, sure. had nothing. It was the most successful. So at that point, it's not that like, oh well. Connor's out. Everything we plan on not going to work. Okay, well, we aren't going to play anymore. You can't do that. You got to go out there with something. So let this freshman go. And he was a guy that right now, you know, you see that he played as a freshman did just with a ton of testosterone. He made mistakes, got to learn on the job. I got to go back and watch how many of his runs were designed runs and how many of them were scrambles, his rushing yards. Look at the USC game. I would love to know because, honestly, I bet it's 50-50. Mm-hmm. It's probably close to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I bet it's close to 50 50. So, it was, even the yards that he gained, a lot of them weren't like run blocking yes. concepts necessarily. It Play was just him it was improvising and freestyling. Which it says that that, that that run blocking grade is, is as bad as it looks. Like, that, it is that bad, I believe. And even more yeah. of a reason that we see Sam and the need to have a guy like Sam that, even despite Bouchel being a good, functionally mobile college quarterback, with the offensive line deficiency so bad that it wasn't able to allow him to have a successful offense. But what can happen whenever everything hits a fan, when the pressures are coming, Sam can scramble out and play two starts. And that's where a lot of our offense came from. Yep, I agree with that. I'm trying to pull it up from because I know pro football focus breaks that down, but it's not cooperating with me No, 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 it's all right. I'll look into it next week, too. uh, No, I'll look at it, too, because I want to go back and look at it. I'm sure pro football focus will do it, so – yeah, text your boy later with it, but yeah, I'm sure it does I'm break sure down it's honestly, and things like that. It may be more scramble yards and improvisational rushing yards than actually, you know, I mean, like de- deliberate running plays. Mm-hmm. Or like called running plays, I should say. I'm telling you. So we've hit on attrition. We've hit on uh, hit on the statistical breakdown that I wanted to get to. And I want to start this conversation now, and we'll carry this over into next week. Next week we'll be through signing day, so we'll have a better idea of scholarship numbers and a depth chart and kind of how all these pieces are going to fit. But, uh, Rod, I want to start kind of recapping, kind of closing the book as much as we can on 2017. Obviously, you guys on the, uh, that have been listening to the Blitz for a while know how we'll do it all through the offseason, all through the summer uh, when we've got little to nothing else to talk about. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll kind of recap. But I want to start looking at just kind of breaking it down, and we'll, t- again, carry this into next week. But, uh, I was looking at Athlon Sports, and Athlon Sports has you know a lot of offseason content, and they graded the coaching hires. Basically, if you were a first year head coach at a school, um, they graded you. You know, for example, yeah. uh, Jeff Tedford from, from Fresno State got an A plus. Fresno went from so one, the and, got one and eleven to ten and four. Okay. Uh, Lincoln Riley gets an A plus yeah. for taking Oklahoma to the playoff and winning the Big Twelve. Uh, I look at. So are they they're, grading the coach's performance or the school's hiring of him? They're grading the coach's performance right, cool, in year cool. one but, and measuring that against expectations. Gotcha. Like, okay, great example. Charlie Strong. South Florida went 10-2. and two. You would think a really good year, right? But they were expected to be in the mix for the playoff. A lot of guys coming back. Yeah. Charlie Strong got a B-. Yeah. Tom Plus, Herman. Yeah. He should have beat U of H. That's why. That U of H game is one they were supposed to win. Tom Herman. Texas goes 7-6. and six. Major. Tom Herman gets a B-. minus. 
Charlie Strong cursing Texas. I so, can see so the, that. So the great because so of the offense, so, and that's your afford, that's your expertise. So Tom Herman is right there with Charlie Strong is at nine. Tom Herman's at ten. Matt Luke at Ole Miss got to be minus. Ole Miss was six and six and mm-hmm. eligible for a bowl, but yeah. Ole Miss finished six and six with all the scholarships and all that. Yeah. Uh, Ed Orgeron, LSU goes nine and four. Ed Orgeron gets a B minus. Yeah, I can understand uh, that. Justin Wilcox, Cal, B minus, and then Major Applewhite, C plus. Um, so Tom Herman's right there with Matt Luke, Charlie Strong, Justin Wilcox, those type guys. Yeah. And this is what Athlon had to say about Tom Herman. Expectations in Austin are higher than a 7-1 season, but Herman's debut provided a foundation for 2018 and beyond. Texas snapped a string of three consecutive losing seasons under Poison Inc., a top-10 recruiting class for the first time since 2012. The Longhorns needed a win over Missouri and the Texas Bowl to secure a winning record, but this team lost four games by five points or less, including a 29-24 matchup to Oklahoma. Herman's top priority going into 2018 remains on offense after his units averaged 25 points four points in Big 12 games. The defense has key pieces to replace, but coordinator Todd Orlando should keep this group near the top of the Big 12. Kind of in a nutshell, the same things we've been talking about here. Yeah. Well, what is the ceiling for this offense? And while the defense is going to take a step back, I don't think it's going to fall off a cliff by any means, and that step might be minimized because where you might not have the top-end talent you're replacing, your comp- your compensation is, we've got a lot of experience, especially on the defensive line and in the secondary. Yeah, I think he got the grade that and that they gave him. Um, and I think it was fair because the offense is what lost games for Texas in the end. And the defense and the special teams is what won games. And your offensive expertise is partly why you were hired because you're a quarterback guru and you have your kind of own system you're bringing in. So I think, yeah, you should have – I wouldn't have doubted if they have given him a harsher grade, honestly, because – he didn't take over the offense. A lot of people wanted that, but you didn't see the fingerprints of Tom Herman on the right. offense, honestly, to like Missouri. It would have been <laughs> to, that, it, to that Missouri game in the bowl. Game. Right. It would have been a higher grade, Rod, and we talked about this too. Had they done what I think is the next step for this program, had, if they had just beaten everybody on the schedule they were supposed to beat Maryland. Maryland and Texas Tech. Maryland yep. and Texas Tech. They win those two games. Changes everything. Either and you're eight, you're eight and five, or you're nine and four. Changes everything. And exactly, and completely changes everything. Perfect example of like where we're at in sports, where you can. I mean, we have these one game samples to where the result, and understandably so, dictates these things. But then when you look at say what Texas did, they lost those couple games against lesser teams, which you have to win. But then whenever you overperform against the better teams, you don't necessarily get it weighed in as much to where like if you look at Vegas odds and just look at against the spread how did Texas com- you know perform compared to the rest of the league and Iowa State was just the best in the nation but Texas 9 and 4 against the spread and they were normally outscoring the spread by 3.8 points per game, beating the margins that were expected by Vegas, where everybody else in the Big 12, you know, Oklahoma, who went to the playoff, they were 8-6. and six. You had Tech in Oklahoma State, 7-6. and six. So in comparison to gauging each situation that week and what the just – if your best mathematicians are putting a ballpark number on how they should perform, yeah. Texas outperformed – the rest of the conference other than Iowa State and that's now looking at seven and six, you didn't get the results. Because if the results right. just changed in a couple games, then we may be viewing it different. Nine and three sounds a lot better than seven and five or seven and six. But we didn't get that and also that makes us have the conversations which are healthy to have about okay, where are the deficiencies? Why were you able to be better against these other teams? Why did you su- go past expectations yet in the season opener and season closer yeah. when you're against teams 
teams that are less than you and you are at home and you don't win, what's going on here? So it's just a good thing to have and a good way to look at it, too, that you might not be as bad off as you think, but it still sucks when you don't get to reap the right. benefits of it. Yeah. Rod, Texas I, for a decade. You know, you know, next week we'll get into things we're confident in, uh, you know, things that we think are lacking going into 2018. But, Rod, kind of piggybacking on Matt's point, when you look at this fan base and how they view the overall product, to me, I think the overall product was much more palatable than what we got over three years of Charlie oh, yeah. Strong. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is just me having followed the program, and I think a lot of fans would kind of would feel the same way I do. Is it just because this is a fan base that has been built on toughness and, and thinking about old school football with Darrell Royal and Mike Campbell and winning with great defense, games where you're competitive because of your defense, as opposed to maybe if you're losing games 56-50 or you know, 52-49 yeah. or something like that? It feels like, all right, this the, def- the defensive foundation that's being built, it's almost like, I don't want to say out of sight, out of mind, but it's almost like thinking – if you want to look at it from a glass half full standpoint, Tom Herman's going to get this offense fixed at some point. Yeah. Right. So I think that, you know, Matt, you just brought the question. And to me, Rod, a lot of the parallels between Texas and the Dallas Cowboys are similar just in terms of the expectations and how they're viewed. Mm-hmm. And I heard this conversation about the Cowboys. Are they really that far away like people think they are? Are they closer than people think they are? When you start looking at the way this program is being built, my wheels are starting to turn. And I'm not saying that it is, but I just want to throw it out there. Is Texas closer to being back than maybe we think? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course yeah. they are. And I mean, hence, yeah. look at the Cowboy preseason odds this past year. Cowboys, Patriots, supposed to be in the Super Bowl. That was the that was the clear-cut highest favorite. Where are you at right now? Texas, 25-1 to 1 to win it all next year. Like, Dude, just going into the, it, yeah, don't you're even, right. Look at the Eagles. Look at mm-hmm. the division rival of the Cowboys. Two years ago, they're a joke, right? The Chip Kelly thing, trading up to oh, get Carson Wentz. Everybody thinks they're crazy. Uh, they ship off Sam Bradford to make room for it, use all those picks, bring in guys, uh, salary cap room. They end up signing some free agents. Alshon Jeffrey signed Nick Foles to a $12 million deal. People are like, they, they signed Nick Foles to $12 million? That's crazy. Why would you do that? <clears throat> Turns out, smartest move they ever made. Mm-hmm. All right, that's why they're in the Super Bowl right now because they're smarter than the rest of us. So I, I agree with you. Cowboys are not that far away. And the Longhorns, I know it sounds crazy, they aren't that far away. They just, the, the I agree with you, the defense keeps you in it. So maybe we're delusional because we see the defense right. keeping Texas in. It's a three-point loss here. And is it a, something a, legit or is it fooling you? Like, could yeah. be that too. Uh, Zeke, you know, you know suspension a, was why the a, Cowboys didn't make the playoffs? Yeah, could be that. It, it could very well be that. But, and, and Matt, I'm glad you brought it up because in closing I'll say this. When you, I think people want to break it down and say, okay, how close are you? Cowboys fans are going to say, you know what? We could be in the Super Bowl right now had Ezekiel Elliott not been suspended. That's the difference between 8 and 8 and 12 and 4. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you see the what I'm saying? The Eagles proved that because they lost Carson Wentz. They lost Darren Sproles. They lost Jordan Hicks. They lost their starting left tackle. Right. They, lost, they had all the same losses as the Cowboys, and yet they overcame them because their roster was better. So you're True. right. We are delusional as Longhorn okay. fans. Yes. We're not that close, but it's Todd Orlando's Closer. defense is making it seem that way. Right. It's, a, it's an illusion. It's yep. not real. And maybe we're, not. we're farther There's away. There's still a lot of work to There's be done. There's still a ton of look at that old line, a ton of work. But you're right. That defense is kind of making and you're right. They, that for Cowboys, that's Ezekiel Elliott. It's like, no, mm-hmm. that's not why you lost. Philadelphia is right next door. They're doing the same thing. All right. <laughs> we will uh, we will pick this conversation that's back up conversation. next week like and uh start looking uh, continue our look back at twenty seventeen and start looking ahead of twenty eighteen because signing day will be in the books. We'll get to talk about the uh, class as a whole 
and look at how some of these guys are going to fill holes on the depth chart. I've got a feeling Keandre Coburn is going to be a big topic of conversation next week. So, Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network, 104.9 The Horn AM 1260, hornfm.com, and The Horn app, where you can hear Rod on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Thank you for that, Rod. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Horn has been great broadcast partners. Uh, you can hear me with Chad and Kevin every Thursday. And if you want more Longhorn Blitz, thanks to Matt, you get us on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and any podcast app. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horn's 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.